Welcome back to the Bravo Dog Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Renee Erdman. I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant and own bravodog.ca. Today, we're talking all about small dogs, littles as we call them, and we are joined by Juliana Willems from JW Dog Training, and we're chatting about all things small. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. It's Juliana, right? I hope that I'm pronouncing it right. I'm horrible. It it is. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Welcome. So you are, where are you located, Juliana? I'm in Washington, D.C. Nice. Okay, excellent. And so you service sort of the Maryland, Virginia-ish proximity area. Is that right? Yes. And from Canada, I'm very impressed that you know that <laughs> Maryland and Virginia. Are I used to live, yeah. I used to live just um, not far outside of Washington, DC. So sort of know the area a little bit. Cool. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you're totally right. It's mostly DC, but then yes, a little bit the suburbs around it. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your background and who you are and your business and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I am a certified trainer, like you said, in the DC area. I own a company called JW Dog Training and Behavior that I actually started this year after working for another great company for the duration of my career as a dog trainer. So I'm now out on my own and really loving it. Uh, You know, I'm all private training, so I'm not in people's homes right now, but I'm at their homes outside, um, but really getting to work closely with them. And I'll do everything from puppies and, you know, helping them right off the bat when owners bring them home to dealing with the more uh, serious stuff, fear, reactivity, aggression. Um, I'm a, have my certified canine behavior consultant certification. So I work with a lot of those cases in conjunction with vet behaviorists and stuff like that. But my business is primarily private dog training and um, that's kind of what I specialize in and I absolutely love it. Nice, and tell us a little bit about uh, the Karen Pryor Academy and your involvement involvement with, uh, with that wonderful organization. Yeah, so I absolutely love the Karen Pryor Academy. It's how I got my first certification, first of three in about 2014. So that's a program that you, it's very rigorous. It goes through and it, um, you know, covers all the basics of teaching new behaviors, making sure you're a very clean and fluent trainer. And uh, then you earn a certification through that. And I just recently was added on as faculty for that. So I will be um, teaching the dog trainers professional program for the Karen Pryor Academy. Uh, probably here in DC and maybe uh, some other locations in 2021, but I am so, so excited about that. You know, I just really, I love the company. They're positive reinforcement through and through. They are, they teach really, really good mechanics. And as you know, you know, good positive reinforcement training and good um, mechanics and timing and stuff like that is is what leads to the results that people need to kind of get that buy-in. So it's a a really, really incredible program. Yeah, positive reinforcement trainers have to be, you know, the the bar is almost higher for us to be good technical trainers and um, as effective as possible without doing harm, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, you and I know when people come to us and say, well, the positive reinforcement training didn't work, it's because they weren't applying it correctly. So, you know, the, the, I'm so excited to get trainers out there that are really yeah. good trainers who can bring really good positive reinforcement training to the, to dog uh, guardians all over the world, basically. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Um, So tell us a little bit about your little pup that you've gotten with you. Yeah, so thank you for talking about little dogs today. I'm just, I'm so, so excited. Uh, So Lola is my little chihuahua. She is nine years old this summer. She's about seven pounds. um, And she and another little chihuahua named Fiona who passed away last fall, they were kind of my first introduction to owning small dogs. I was very much a big dog person prior to them. Um, And so Lola is you know, in her kind of, I guess she's not old age for a small dog. She's a little bit, hopefully more kind of middle-aged, but she can be very, to label it, she can be very anxious, reactive, very fearful. She's got a lot of uh, stranger danger and she's a very, um, again, to label, a little bit of a, she's not super cuddly all the time. She's a little standoffish. She's kind of independent. And so it's been a really interesting trying to you know, train her and work with her and, and try to help her with all those issues I just mentioned so that she can have a really, really, really good quality of life. That's, that's our top priority with, with Lola is to make sure that with everything that she kind of comes with, she has a really good quality of life. Mm -hmm. So what kind of improvements have you seen since uh, adopting her um, from where she started to where she is now? Yeah, so I actually inherited her from my my now fiance, then girlfriend, and Katie, my fiance, has had Lola her whole life, and she actually, interestingly enough, got Lola from, so Katie now works in animal welfare, but before that, she knew nothing about animal welfare and breeding and stuff like that, and she actually got Lola from a backyard breeder off Craigslist. Um, this was, again, nine years ago, and Lola came from uh, a tough I mean, I don't think she got any socialization and she um, was beat up by her litter mates. And then Katie, again, had no idea what she was doing. So really didn't set Lola up for success. So, um, but about five years ago when we started dating, that's when we had Lola and Fiona and they were kind of our pair of chihuahuas. You know, they did everything together and they they um, just kind of lived their life together. And we, we made the mistake of kind of seeing them as a pair. And then when Fiona passed away last September, we started to see Lola very much as an individual and, and kind of seeing where we were lacking in her, uh, in helping her with her reactivity and her fears and anxiety and stuff like that. And I will say, I definitely think losing Fiona made a lot of her anxiety worse. They lived together basically mm-hmm. her whole life. And so we started with a vet behaviorist. We started increasing her training. We started increasing her enrichment and we have seen an absolute 180 in her behavior and her happiness and joy and kind of, again, overall quality of life. So hopefully I would love to kind of talk more about everything that we did and how it applies to small dogs um, here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that, you know, mentioning where she came from initially, I mean, so many people that's where they acquire dogs from is maybe not an ideal situation. They didn't know any better. They're learning as they go. Um, So what would you say to somebody who, okay, they've acquired this puppy. um, It's, it's a small breed dog. What can we do to sort of um, set them up for success so that they don't end up with, you know, some of the challenges that your, um, your pup has ended up with? Oh, totally. Well, I think small dogs are at just such a disadvantage because they are so portable and especially as puppies. I mean, people are so inclined to, you know, throw them in their bag and go places in kind of the name of socialization. And I think it's so important we approach socialization with any dog, but especially with smaller dogs with a lot of choice involved and a lot of 
um, <clears throat> you know, being proactive about saying, this is a new experience. I'm going to make it really, really great for you. I'm not going to force you to do anything. If you want to interact, that's great. If you want to watch, that's great. Treats will rain from the sky and you're not going to be forced to do anything because of your size, because I can just scoop you up and carry you to the dog or scoop you up and carry you, carry you to the person. I think giving them that choice is going to be really, really important in socialization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I almost think of uh, small breed dogs, uh, when I see them as puppies anyways, as special needs from the get go, is treating them. Um, I mean, I think you and I both understand how, you know, proper socialization should look for, for all puppies, but more importantly for these small breed dogs that, that the owners or guardians really know how to read their body language and to understand what is, um, you know, giving, giving them choices ultimately, because we know that that is just, that's the best way to build confidence. And I mean, what happens if we don't have a confident small dog? You tell me, what, what does that look like? <laughs> all the genetic predispositions start to show themselves. So, you know, you get all uh -huh. those fear-based behaviors, reactivity, um, you know, aggression that could show up down the line. And I think, again, knowing that a lot of these guys can be predisposed to it and paired with they're just small so the whole world exists above them you're totally right we really want to almost have the mindset that we're starting we've got a, more of a hill than with another dog you know we really do have this uphill journey and kind of another thing that i think about with socialization which i tell people all the time with small dogs is the world exists above them meaning people are always reaching people are always looming over people are always you know just being very big on top of them and maybe if we can kind of think of these scenarios that they're going to have to get used to or experience as adults and we can proactively pair those experience experiences with good stuff maybe we can fend off some of that you know like whoa that person's reaching for me whoa that person's looming over me that scares me and we can start to teach them that's actually a great thing for you during mm -hmm. this critical window yeah I love that um and and the, the common thing that is sort of said, I think across the board about little dogs is that they're often yappy, which I hate that word oh, no. <laughs> because <laughs> if, if people better understood where that came from, they might feel a little bit more compassion um, in terms of, of why the dog's behaving that way. Absolutely. It is so frustrating and sad to me when people write off the reactions from little dogs because it's funny or it looks cute or like, oh, he thinks he's so big and bad, you know? And it's, I mean, you and I know why these dogs are doing it. They're trying to communicate. They're trying to say, I'm uncomfortable. I'm scared. And there's nothing funny about that. And I think owners need to be really, really educated and aware of why their dogs are acting that way. Yeah. And, you know, if it was a uh, Rottweiler or a large bully breed, it wouldn't be so funny, you know, but it's often coming from the exact same emotion um, and the associations that they have. So, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really too bad. And, and again, I think it points back to people understanding and knowing more about just behavior, canine behavior overall. Right. Totally. I think, I think, yes. And I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. I mean, it all comes down to educating about body language and yes, the, the reasons that drive behavior and, and stuff like that. And 
I think if we can empower people to understand why their dog is doing it, that hopefully should really change a lot. But I also think, unfortunately, with these little dogs, because unlike with the larger dogs, the solution can be, oh, scoop them up and they either stop reacting or, you know, you can intervene or maybe they start reacting, but it's not as problematic because you're holding them. People, I feel like are less inclined to do the training or to maybe take it a step further to try to address it. They almost just kind of live with it because it's easier for them to, to deal with. Yeah. Well, what are some of the common, um, common advice that's sort of given to small dog guardians uh, when they're working around reactivity? So I think all the same stuff that we would apply again for bigger dogs, but definitely making sure that we're really keeping it in mind for small dogs. So that choice factor, so you're not forcing the animal to ever interact with with something that they're scared of, keeping track of thresholds the same way we would with any dog. How far can you be from this scary thing without reacting? Where can I do the training? One thing that I found that has been interesting when working with Lola and her reactivity is I've had to really alter my treat delivery and and how I get that reinforcer to her and what reinforcer works for her. She's so low to the ground. I literally Mm -hmm. find myself doing squats when I'm trying to deliver her food to her. So finding something that works for you and your dog for that quick delivery, knowing that good results are going to be rooted in timing. And if you take too much time or you can't get down there to your tiny little dog, when trying to maybe do some desensitizing counter conditioning, engage, disengage, you're not going to see the results that you would if you were had that big dog that you could just feed right to their mouth. So some people will uh, actually use like a, a cooking spoon, a wooden cooking spoon and put a little bit peanut butter on that or something else the dog likes and use that to kind of buy yourself an extra foot. So you're yeah, not having yeah. to reach down each time. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the great um, defined it um, treat drop, you know, often can encourage them to, you know, use their nose and if they're under threshold disengage, right? Yeah, totally. I think that's a great idea. And that, again, you can kind of start tossing and save yourself the back bend. And that would be teaching them what find it means, you know, say, when I say find it, put your nose to the ground and start looking for those treats. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, for sure. I think, and one thing maybe we can talk about too, is the picking up situation. So what I mean by that is I have some clients that are advised, you know, don't pick your, your small dog up or you're reinforcing the fear, but then, you know, on the other hand, they're left there to fend on their own. You know, what, what are, what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. And I would also be really curious to hear what you think about it. So I think what's, what's, it's a tricky, very tricky scenario because I think I don't mind interrupting behavior if a dog is reacting, right? Because you need to help them. Like you said, you can't just let them flounder. But what I think a lot of times average dog owners will do with small dogs is they'll pick them up and then they won't make things better. They won't move away. They won't start feeding. They won't, they might, you know, approach the scary thing because suddenly the dog is no longer reacting. And so I think being very, very aware of what are you doing after you pick up and remove from the scenario and, and, you know, keeping that in mind, because yeah, if your dog is just reacting, I don't advise continuing to do that. So if, if they're not responding to food or they're not, you know, but I I would also encourage just like any other dog that you teach some type of let's go cue or emergency U-turn, that type of thing. I mean, these guys deserve the same amount of training, just like everybody, um, even though you can pick them up. (laughs) True. Yeah. I think, you know, anytime we can teach them some type of 
um, behavior that is not compatible with reacting. Awesome. If I can teach you to disengage and let's go, you know, work a lot on that outside of scenarios in which we need it so that our, our turn and goes are just, you know, we're not pulling dogs away from situations, et cetera, et cetera. You know, in an emergency, do I advise a dog that doesn't have um, issues with being picked up to get them out of there? Do I advise that if the dog is okay with it? Yeah, absolutely. In a jam. Right. Um, I'm not, again, same with you. I'm not going to, but, you know, shunning them in in that sort of, you know, well, suck it up, you know, that type of attitude. It is, it is common still. And I remember just, I probably referenced this a million times, but my first puppy class with my, my little guy, my little French bulldog, I was, you know, he was worried. And so he was coming to me and coming between my feet and the advice was to walk away. Um, and, and, and yeah, I know, and it, and it breaks my heart now, of course, um, but they should be looking to us for safety. Um, and small dogs, I, I often coach my clients, Hey, if, if, if he is looking to you when large dogs approach, he's looking to you for safety. So you do need to teach them, Hey, I got your back. We've, we're going to do this instead. And I'm not going to put you in that situation. You're showing discomfort. Right. And I love that because what you're doing is you're adding the choice on top of the, you know, interrupt and retreat is saying, hey, please help me here. Maybe you even teach them type of like pause up mean I'm going to be picked up. Right. What a great conversation between the dog. Okay, I hear you. You want me to pick you up. I pick you up. I'm going to then be very aware of what happens next. I move you away. I give you distance and I give you kind of that safety that you were asking for. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I actually quite like working with the smaller dogs. I find, um, so Pomeranians, um, those are actually one of my favorites to work with. Um, And oftentimes they have issues surrounding grooming. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, whether it's, whether it's the Pomeranians with the grooming or the Chihuahuas with the bad teeth and the Uh, the teeth dentals or just any dog, um, you know, with nail trims and stuff like that. I mean, again, I think that because people's tendency is, oh, you know, you're aggressing, but you're so easy to just squeeze under my arm and get it done. These dogs just are so um, stripped of any choice that they have. And so just like any dog teaching you know, some consent-based behaviors, implementing husbandry in the training and saying, you have choice here. I'm going to break down grooming. I'm going to get you used to brushing the same way we did. We would with, you know, a doodle or another dog that needs grooming, but just being extra aware that, you know, these guys, we really owe it to them to, to give them that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is, it really is easy overall for humans to use force to get the job done. Right. But in the, I think once people understand, Hey, every single time you're working on your training and then you have a session in which you force the dog, you know, to get the job done, you're negating your work. Um, and there, and we know that dogs and all animals make associations with what is, you know, what is around them. And unfortunately that's going to be you if you're doing it. Yep. Um, so it does affect the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, knowing that you're kind of starting at a disadvantage with these guys, because whether it's a genetic predisposition or anything that happened to them before, the fact that their whole world exists above them and, you know, let's not add to that, you know, let's see if we can take some of those stressors away and, and continue to build the good relationship that you're working on outside of the husbandry, husbandry work. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so we've talked a bit about um, mistakes that people make. Um, I'm trying to think if we've missed any other ones. I mean, really, um, choice is it comes down to choice is the removal of choice is really a huge, huge um, problem. And then back to the socialization, you know, um, big dog, little dog situation, you know, that sort of stands out to me as, as um, where things can go wrong in terms of proper socialization for puppies is if they're getting squashed and flattened and, and bowled over by bigger dogs at such a young age, what can we see happen? As a yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, knowing how critical the socialization window is, it could take even just one experience of, wow, this dog is really fun. And then all of a sudden, you know, the big lab puppy who, even though they're the same age as six times the, the little Pomeranian size, you know, gets a little exuberant. All of a sudden the Pomeranian says, whoa, 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 that's not, that was not fun for me. In fact, that was really scary. And okay, I'm actually going to decide that I don't like other dogs, big dogs, lab, lab type dogs, you know, and, and that can happen so quickly. And especially when play could be appropriate or okay for a second. And then suddenly it isn't anymore. And just being really, really aware of how is that small dog looking during that play? Is the tail tucked? Are they coming back for more? Because I, in teaching puppy classes, I have seen plenty of small dogs who have enjoyed interacting with the larger dogs and things are going totally fine and, and everybody's happy, but that's certainly not all small dogs and that's certainly not necessarily gonna happen the whole time. So just being really aware of how is that smaller dog doing and what can we do to make it a little bit better there? Because we do not, absolutely do not wanna build a fear of dogs, larger dogs, other dogs down the road, which is what can happen if they have negative experiences during socialization. Yes, which really points to making sure that we're picking the right type of puppy class if we're taking a puppy class and um, daycares and things like that, where you as the guardian, you know, ideally you're present for, you know, puppy kindergarten. Um, but, you know, I, I'm personally not a fan of, of daycares overall, unless they're really, really well run, um, but not for puppies. I, I really worry about them. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think it's important to remind everyone too, socialization, meaning getting your dog comfortable with other dogs, it doesn't have to involve play. And I think that's something really important for little dogs, because if we say, okay, we want to find the right match, which means maybe we'll go with smaller dogs or chill bigger dogs, that's going to probably cut out a large number of dogs that they're not going to be appropriate to play with your small dog. And so how can we get them positive controlled exposure to other types of dogs so they feel comfortable with them and what that could be is just watching so mm -hmm. seeing other dogs from a distance and getting good treats when they see those dogs and seeing different shapes and sizes so that yes your dog might not be able to play with a bunch of other dogs which is important to keep track of and what what group are we getting them involved with but they can still see and and experience and learn about other dogs of shapes, different shapes and sizes during that critical window. And I totally agree with you. I think for puppies, daycare is not a good option at all. And if you happen to have a really super, super social outgoing small dog and you can find a well-run daycare who has a small dog section, that mm -hmm. might be a good fit. But otherwise, you know, I never, I, I really don't ever advise mixing small dogs and big dogs in a daycare situation. 
No, and and dog parks, um, they're not all divided into small dog, um, big dog sections. So you have to be really, really careful. And again, like I don't recommend dog parks for young dogs. Um, uh, it, but, you know, it, it is nice to see them sectioned off appropriately for when Definitely. they're adults. Yeah, if they enjoy that. <laughs> right. And we forget too, though, that, you know, small dogs, and I do have to keep this in track, uh, keep track of this when I'm walking Lola's, small dogs can spark a different reaction from larger dogs if larger dogs have a, an intense predatory um, drive or the small dog is at the dog park and having fun, but running, you know, you mm -hmm. really have to be aware of what that might do to some of these larger dogs who would snap into prey mode. Wow. That looks a whole lot like a bunny yep. or a whole lot like a cat running around, you know, and then suddenly yikes, that can mean very, very serious consequences for your small dog. So even if you think you might have a small dog who enjoys playing with the big dogs, I always advise stick to the small dog areas. Yeah, absolutely. So circling back to Lola, let's, yeah. why don't we share, or why don't you share if you can um, with the audience, what are some core skills that you think that specifically small dogs really could benefit from in terms of training? Yeah. So with Lola, something that has changed everything for her has been that default check-in meaning we're on a leash or we're doing some training and she automatically chooses to look back at me or orient to me when she doesn't know what else to do. And what I, I was actually just joking to me, my fiance the other day, I've kind of created a monster out on walks because she's just checking in the whole time, which, you know, two years ago, before we started doing this training, I would have never dreamed that she would be so focused on me out in the environment. And so that default check-in has really changed everything. So that helps her when she sees another dog, she knows to look back at me. That helps her when she's nervous about a stroller passing, she looks back at me and she always gets rewarded for that. Uh, she actually just got a dental yesterday. And so she had to be fasted it for our morning walk. She couldn't have her treats and it killed me. She was doing such nice behaviors and I couldn't feed them. So I think that's really important. I think um, having a tool to, get them out of scenarios, meaning whether it's like a touch or just a positive interrupter that causes them to move towards you, you know, pop, 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 let's go this way, yeah. you know, and, and getting them out of those conflict situations is super important. But I really just think it comes down to kind of building that relationship and that connection between the two of you. So like you mentioned earlier, you can have that conversation. Hey, do you need my help here? Do you need me to get you out of here? Should we go this way? Do you want to move towards that thing? You know, and I'm really staying in tune with your small dog about what are they trying to tell you? Yeah, at, for sure. And I think, you know, it, it def definitely goes back to that, um, that, that understanding that, you know, it, really it's a team, it's a relationship. It's not, the dog is not trying to control things. You actually, we got to let, let go of this control stuff. I, I feel like totally. the word control is just like, can we just stop using it when we're talking about animals because yep. it, it really should, we need to change it to choice um, because people just don't realize that, Hey, the more control the animal has, the more, um, the less anxious they are in general. And then the behavior improves, which is what the average person wants with their dog. They want the improved behavior, but it's, it yeah. doesn't happen without giving them choices. Absolutely. And I think Lola has been a big teacher of that for me because she is not a dog that you can make do anything. She is not a dog who you can 
if she doesn't want to do it, then she will make it very clear with her teeth that she doesn't want to do it. And so I have no choice but to let go of, of that kind of control on my end and put it back in her hands and say, hey, you have a choice here. I'm going to try to make the choice that I want really work out for you. So that's a choice that you choose. Um, but I will always listen to you. And if you if you're not up for something today, if you don't want to do this, then then that is perfectly okay. Because I have seen in the past that trying to ignore that or push through that causes her to react and aggress and, and say, no, 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 I don't like that, which is perfectly an acceptable form of communication for her. Yeah. And one thing too, that is, is people tend to forget is that, you know, the more situations that dogs in general are put in, in which they have to use their behavior to get the distance that they need, they're going to keep repeating it. It's reinforced. It's, it, it, it works for them. It works very well. And if you don't address it and let it continue, it, it, it's never going to get better for them, you know, it's, or you living with them. Absolutely. You know, and that's where someone might think, oh my gosh, you're just telling me to, you know, avoid these situations and, and let your dog <laughs> choose. And it's like, well, yes, because a huge part of changing behavior is not putting them in situations where they rehearse it, because you're absolutely right. The bet, the more she rehearses, you know, aggressing to get distance, the more she's going to use that. It's going to be a, a behavior that's high up in her repertoire. And that's certainly not what I want for her. And that's not what, what I want for me. That doesn't work for anyone. So I want to make sure she doesn't feel like she has to use that. And if she does get uncomfortable, she has plenty of other ways to communicate that she needs a break. Amazing. Yeah. So I think we've given some really good tips and hopefully some insight into the small dog world. Did you have anything else that you wanted to, um, to tell our audience about Littles? Yeah. So, um, I know I love the, I love the littles. I love the term littles. So Kim, Kim Brophy talked at the, uh, aggression and dogs conference a couple weeks ago and she made, she's an applied ethologist. So the science of behavior, and she made a really interesting point that small dogs are bred for smaller bones, right? They're very, they're obviously little. And that what comes with that is a, a, um, tightly wound nervous system. And so just really keeping in mind that a lot of these guys are predisposed to being a little bit more nervous, a little bit more anxious. And so all the things that we talked about today, you know, setting them up for success as early as you can is so important. And one piece that not as much related to the training, but we've seen help a lot with Lola is the enrichment piece mm -hmm. where I think little dogs also get overlooked just because larger dogs, you know, we'd look at enrichment as a form of mental exercise to tire them out. And maybe your small dog is kind of chill inside, or they're not bouncing off the walls and driving you crazy like a large dog would, but enrichment for the littles is just as important. So Lola loves to use her nose. She loves to destroy. She loves her Kongs. And that has been a huge, huge game changer for decreasing her anxiety and giving her outlets. So wow. I really just all dog, all small dog owners, I highly recommend you guys look into enrichment options. Yes. And even taking something like a nose work class with them, I think would be fantastic. Absolutely. You know? Oh my gosh. Cause these little, you know, again, they've got needs just like all other dogs. And just because they're not, you know, driving you crazy inside doesn't mean that <laughs> they don't, they wouldn't benefit so, so, so much from using their nose and chewing and, and all the other great enrichment options. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a wonderful point. An interesting um, note about um, Kim Brophy. I'll have to check that out 
Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's a super interesting conversation. Um, where can people find you? People can find me at jwdogtraining.com or on Instagram, jwdogtraining, or my personal is juliana.willems. I would love to connect with everyone on social media. And yeah, Renee, thank you so much for having this conversation and, and bringing some light to the, the littles and, and letting me talk about and gush about my, my favorite little breeds. Love it. Keep up the great work. Um, so glad to connect with you. And I think I, I found you through um, just the... I can't remember. Maybe it was um, some of the stuff that you were doing with Karen Pryor for the um, the free weekly webinar. The ranch broadcast. Yes, Amazing. The ranch. Oh, I'm yes. so glad you've been able to get to see those. Yeah, those are a yeah. lot of fun. I know that our, our social media world of positive dog trainers is just so amazing and brings me so much yeah. encouragement yeah. and support. I, I really love it. Yes. Amazing. Well, congrats on everything that's happening with you. And again, thank you. thank you so much for joining us and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Renee. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I would encourage you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. And you can also find us on Instagram at Bravo Dog Training.